Morning. Opportunity, a moment uh, where you may, we have a little video up there, just different people in their church, what's going on in their lives. So you're sort of like, oh, who's that in our church? And you get to learn a little bit more about them. And here's a personal testimony from Lupe. And, and uh, hopefully you're blessed and challenged and encouraged by these moments. Um, <clears throat> Harris, good to have you back with us. Uh, Pastor Ben's on vacation, and, and uh, Harris is leading uh, worship this week. And I just want to say one thing. I, I'm up here in front, so I, I can hear you all, okay, but I can't see you all. So I'm just, I'm not going to put Harris or Sherry or Greg on the spot here, but I'm wondering how many people are actually clapping and smiling. We're saying, oh, happy day. First of all, I'm not going to ask how many people are smiling when they're singing happy day. If you're frowning and singing happy day, we need to re-sing that song, okay? But and how many of you are then clapping with frowns, okay? I'm not going to ask. I just want you to rethink that through. If you were clapping and you were singing, you better have had a smile on your face because a happy day. Jesus is alive, right? Don't make me try to sing, I can't hit that high note, but, you know, I can, he's alive or something like that, but I couldn't do the high note. But anyway, uh, I'm glad you're here this morning. It's always the Sunday after Easter. I always get a little leery because everybody's like, yeah, Easter. And then the Sunday after, it's like, I got something else I'm going to go do. Uh, no, you need to come back because we're going to keep worshiping. We're going to keep celebrating. He is alive. Amen. I'm sorry, it's that old Baptist in me every now and then I say that. Amen? I don't know, what's that all about? Anyway, um, I want you to sit here and think with me about a few things, okay? Here's the first thing I want you to think about. In the heat of the moment, okay, we often say crazy things. Things we don't mean to say. Things we say often, it's like, I'm never going to say it. Your parents said it, and you're like, I can't believe they said that. I'm never going to say it. And you catch yourself saying it when you grow up, right? But you ever hear those things like, oh, you break your leg, don't come running to me. You ever hear anybody say that? Well, if you break your leg, you probably are not going to come running to me, right? Or how about, I don't know if you've ever been in trouble, and your parents are like, don't you say a word. Don't you say one more word. Did you hear me? Do I answer that? I'm not supposed to say one more word, right? It, uh, maybe it's never happened to you. I don't know. So I decided I'm going to start writing down things that I hear, and a lot of times I'm in the sporting world, so I hear things that coaches say, and I think, that's funny. Okay, to me it's funny. To you, you're like, I don't get it. Okay, but to me it was funny, and I, because the only reason, because I think I've said it. Okay, like I've heard, a, I heard a coach saying one time, hey, do you want to be good or you want to be great? Huh? You want to be good or great? I'm thinking, I don't think any athlete's going to raise their hand and say, well, coach, I, I really want to just be average. I really don't want to be great today. Really? Are they going to say that? What do you think they're going to say, coach? I've said it, right? How about this one? Hey, do you want to play or do you want to come out? I don't know any athlete out there saying, Coach, that bench looks really good. Um, they got padded seats. I'd like to sit down for a while. Never seen an athlete with that kind of attitude, right? So why does the coach say that, right? Or how about this one? What was that? What was that? You just threw the ball to the other team. Yeah, Coach, that's called a turnover. Hey, do you want him to answer? I mean, Coach, you know what it was, right? But yet the coach says, what was that? And he's screaming top of the lungs. He wants everybody here. And I'm sitting there going, he doesn't know what it is. He shouldn't be coaching. Um, but, you know, I, I hear those things. You know, we say funny things, and it's like, again, as I, when I coach, I said oh, probably all the same things I just shared with you, okay? Maybe it's, um, maybe when we hear those things, maybe it's because we don't know what else to say, um, but time doesn't change uh, things because even back in biblical times, people were saying things that it's like, what? What did they just say? That's sort of actually funny that you would say that. Um, when Jesus, uh, there's a story in, in the New Testament with Jesus and, um, and a dear friend whom he loved, Lazarus. You may remember this story, maybe not in the book of John. Lazarus was sick. Jesus waited a few days before returning to Bethany. He had the messengers came, hey Jesus, the one you love, Lazarus. He's sick, and meaning he's not doing really well. He's going to probably die. And what does Jesus do? Okay, we'll go in a few days maybe. And so he waited for a while. And let me read this to you. This is from John chapter 11, 8. We're going to turn to some other scripture in a little bit. Let me read this to you. His disciples objected, Rabbi, only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Pick up big rocks, kill you. Okay? Very hostile. Are you going there again? And Jesus replied, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to go wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better soon, right? That's not the kind of sleep I'm talking about. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. 
And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will truly believe. Let's go see him. Now here's the line that I look at and I say, did he really say that? Thomas, everybody knows him as what? Doubting Thomas, right? Thomas, who is actually nicknamed the twin, said to his disciples, let's go too and we'll all die. Really? Do you think any of the other disciples, like Peter, James, and John, looked at Thomas and said, what? Are you kidding me? Why would you say that, right? We say silly things at moments. In that moment, Thomas thought, yes, let's all go die together. Did I just say that? I can't believe I said that, right? Luke chapter 9, verse 57, uh, another moment. He's walking along and someone said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Now I want you to pause and think about this for a moment. You're a disciple. You've walked with Jesus. You've seen the things that have happened. You've seen the moment when people picked up stones and tried to kill you. Jesus, I'm going to go wherever you go. I will be wherever you're going to be. I want to walk with you every step. Now, do you really understand? That comes out of your mouth. You say it out of passion, right? Maybe guys, girls, when you're first dating and the first time you said, I love you to the other one because the other person said it first, I love you. And you're like, I love you too. I can't believe I just said that. That slipped out really fast, right? Did I really mean that or did I just say it because they said it? So in this moment, Jesus, we love you. We love following with you. Jesus, I'll go wherever you go. Was there a thought after that statement or was there a true proclamation that I really wanted to go? Because I'm thinking about this. Did they really understand the depth of what they meant? Really? Do you really want to go where Jesus is going to go? Do you realize that if you go where Jesus is going to go, there's going to be persecution and opposition? Do you know there's going to be pain? Oh, there'll be joy, right? There'll be miracles, plenty of those. People are going to hate you too because they're going to associate you with Jesus and you will be hated. So stop for a moment and ask this question. Out of all the New Testament stories of Jesus, okay? Let's think through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, first four books, New Testament, the Gospels, all the stories of Jesus. Everybody think about this. Think back to Sunday school. Think that maybe for a teacher and GPS or children's church, all the stories you've shared. Kids, I want you to think about the stories you've heard, okay, with Jesus. Which story would you, want to, would you really want to be present at? Which one of those stories of Jesus say, I would have loved to have been there. Because again, like the disciples, I want to go wherever you're going to go. I want to be wherever you're going to be, right? So let me ask you all, where would you go? Which story would you go back to right away? Think it through. How many of you said, I would have loved to have been there at his birth? I would have loved to be in there when, when the wise men came, maybe when he was a little bit older. Or when the shepherds came that very first night. Oh, that would have been incredible to be there. How many of you said, I would have liked to have been at the Sermon on the Mount, up on that hillside when he's sitting there talking, he's preaching. I would have loved to have heard that sermon, fresh from his lips. How many of you said, I would have loved to have been there when he was in the house and it was all crowded, nobody could move, it was so tight, and the roof started to open up and stuff falls down, and this man on the mat, paralyzed man, gets lowered down and Jesus healed him. How many of you would like to have been in that spot? Or when he was walking and Lazarus was up in the tree, Lazarus, come down, I'm going to your house today. And he was like, I would have liked to have been there and gone with Jesus to the house of Lazarus. How many of you would like to be there when Jesus walked on water, fed the 5,000? Which story did you pick? Maybe it's a different one. Maybe some of you are like, you know what? I don't want to sound somber and upset, but I would like to have been there the final week of Jesus to see what happened. Not to see what happened to him, but to have been there and to experience the emotion of what was happening. Will you go where Jesus will go? Will you be where he's going to be? See, we see the, the joys and praises of living for God, but sometimes we don't see the opposition. I don't think, I don't think anybody said, I would like to have been that spot when they're going to throw Jesus off the cliff. Um, or when they picked up the stones to throw them at Jesus. That's where I wanted to be at Jesus. I don't know if anybody picked those stories. We don't realize that we have an incredible opportunity to praise God, to walk with Jesus, but also we get to see the opposition too. That's what happens when you're a disciple of Jesus. Really, let's put ourselves now in the shoes or sandals of those disciples, okay? You witness so many incredible things. You hear re great and revolutionary teaching. But can't you find yourself saying, I want to be where Jesus is going to be. But in reality, you're saying, I want to go where God's at. 
Isn't that really what it's about? I want to be where God is at work. It isn't just walking with Jesus. It's being a part of what he's doing. It's him showing compassion to people who maybe have not shown compassion. It's loving his enemies when his enemies hate him. It's going where God is at work, seeing lives impacted for eternity. It isn't about just going and showing up for a concert. It isn't about going and hearing a great speaker. I want to see where lives are changed. Wouldn't you love to be in the room when the woman came and anointed the feet of Jesus and cried and you knew her life was changed? And you could just see, wow, God's at work here. As a follower of Jesus Christ, as one who believes in God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ and God's Holy Spirit, I want to be where God's at. Don't you? But to be where God is requires obedience. So obedience means I have to be all in. I have to be fully committed. I can't be half-hearted. If I really want to be where God's at, that means whether it's times are good or bad, I'm still in. That means that when the church is suffering, I'm not bailing. That means when I'm hurting personally, I'm not giving up on God. That means when I've been praying and praying and praying and I'm not seeing answered prayer, I'm still going to keep praying because I'm all in. I'm fully committed. And the Bible always contains great wisdom and direction, hope and power and the reassurance that we have a faithful God that will not fail us, that will not abandon us. And here's the scriptures. We'll put them on the screen for you, and you can look at them. And look them up later if you want to write them down. But in Psalm 94, 14, the author of this scripture said this, the Lord will not reject his people. He will not abandon his special possession. Look at the person next to you and say, you're special. How many of you did that and you smiled? Raise your hand. Did you look at them smiling and say that? Yeah. Okay. How can you not look at somebody and tell them they're special and not smile, right? Unless you're still mad at them from something that happened this morning, right? God says, I will not abandon my special people. God looks at you with incredible love, calls you a special possession. Moses said this in Deuteronomy 31.6, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Don't panic before them, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Moses says, listen, we've been through this, right, people? God's not going to abandon you. John chapter 14, Jesus said this. He's talking to his disciples. I'll ask the Father. He'll give you another advocate. and you'll, He will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world can't receive him because he isn't looking for him doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you and soon the world will no longer see me, but you'll see me. Since I live, you will also live. Even Jesus says, I'm not abandoning you. I'm not going to leave you. Matter of fact, I'm giving you my very spirit to be in you. And just as I'm alive, he is alive in you. You're not going to be abandoned like an orphan. And we're going to go back to the Old Testament. I want to show you something. We're going to discover that when you want to be where God is, because here's the thing. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Sometimes we say crazy things, and sometimes we say, like the disciples said, I want to go wherever you're going to go, right? Listen, truthfully, I do want to be where God is. I hope you do too. I hope you say, I want to be where God is at work. Now, here's the deal, though. If that's you this morning, and you're saying, I want to be where God's at, then I want you to be ready for a roller coaster ride. There's going to be a journeys of up and downs, thrills and spills of all kinds. And I want you to understand that that's the way it's going to be. If you're going to follow God, that's the way it's going to be. I want, you know, and I want to thank, you know, Sarah Wensink. We were having a staff meeting one day, and, and we were talking, and somebody had sent her something referencing back to Moses. And I went back, and I was reading through that more, and I shared this with the elders. I said, this is incredible scripture. You need to share this with the church because it is the thrills and spills, the ups and downs of a roller coaster ride when, you're, when you want to be with God, where he's at, okay? So turn in your Bibles with me to Old Testament, second book in the Bible, the book of Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus 15. Exodus chapter 15. Now this is a song of deliverance. The children of Israel have been delivered from Egypt. They've, they've left 
They've had a lot of things to celebrate. A lot of things have taken place. You know, when good things happen, you record it. You write it down. Maybe you write a song about it. Well, Moses had a song, Song of Deliverance. And the people of Israel sang this song. Chapter 15, verse 1. Let me sing it to you. <laughs> Just kidding. Let me read it to you. I was going to get my operatic voice. Oh, I'm not going to do that. Okay, here we go. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has thrown both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my victory. He is my God, and I will praise him. He is my Father's God. I'll exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yes, the Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and armies, he's thrown into the sea. The very best of Pharaoh's officers has been drowned to the Red Sea. The deep waters covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, dashes the enemy to pieces. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrew those who rose against you. Your anger flashed forth. It consumed them as fire burned straw. At the blast of your breath, the waters piled up. Did you hear that? I mean, just think about this. The blast of your breath, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood straight like a wall. In the middle of the sea, the waters became hard. The enemy said, I'll chase them, catch up with them and destroy them. I'll divide the plunder, avenging myself against. I will unsheath my sword. My power will destroy them. But with a blast of your breath, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Verse 11. Who else among God is like you, O Lord? Who is glorious in holiness like you? So awesome in splendor, performing such wonders. You raised up your hand and the earth swallowed our enemies. With unfailing love, you will lead this people whom you've ransomed. You will guide them in your strength to the place where your holiness dwells. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The leaders of Edom will be terrified. The nobles of Moab will tremble. All the people of Canaan will melt with fear. Terror and dread will overcome them. Because of your great power, they'll be silent like a stone until your people pass by, O Lord, until the people whom you purchased pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place you've made our home, O Lord, the sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have made. The Lord will reign forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers rushed into the sea, the Lord brought the water crashing down on them, but the people of Israel walked through on dry land. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women in rhythm and dance. And Miriam sang the song too. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has thrown both horse and rider into the sea. They sang an incredible song. You're like, isn't it so good that God has not abandoned us? We thought we were abandoned in in this land of Egypt, we were slaves, we were tortured, we were beaten, we were held captive. But God didn't abandon us. He freed us. He took us out of Egypt, and, and we, we were free from all that tyranny and that slavery. And, but then we came to the Red Sea, but God blasted it open, and the walls of water stood tall, and we walked through. And then he brought it back down on those who chased us. We're free. The one who purchased us, the one who ransomed us, his freed us. Oh, how mighty he is. And they sang this song to him. It was like, wow, isn't it good to be where God's at right now? It was pretty exciting. Song of celebration. Oh, but wait. Then Moses led the people, if we read on in verse 22, they led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea. They moved into the Shur Desert. They traveled in the desert for three days without water. They came to Marah where they finally found water, but the people couldn't drink it because it was bitter. People turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? Moses cried out to the Lord for help. He showed him a branch. Moses took the branch, threw it in the water, and made the water good to drink. You know, in that moment, it's like, yes, God is so good. God is so good. And you're walking for a few days. Things dry up. Now you're complaining. Really? God, you brought us out of Egypt? We're all thirsty now. We're going to die. We have nothing to drink. God's like, oh, just keep following, please. Keep journeying with me. Oh, they got to a place there's water, but they drank the water. It was too bitter. Oh, thanks, God. Brought us the water. Can't drink it. God says, trust me. Took a branch, threw it in there. I mean, this is amazing. Just take a branch, throw it in this big water source. Remember, there's millions of these people. It's like a couple hundred, and all of a sudden that water source is good to drink from. It's amazing. 
the faithfulness of God. Oh, but we're not done. Turn over to chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 1. They left Elam. They journeyed into the Sin Desert between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there a month after leaving Egypt. There, too, the whole community of Israel spoke bitterly against Moses and Aaron. Oh, leadership. Oh, why did those leaders take us to this spot? They got all mad at Moses for leading them there and Aaron. Oh, if we were just back in Egypt, they moaned. It would have been better if the Lord had killed us there. At least, I gotta say this whiny voice, at least there we had plenty to eat. But now you brought us in the desert, we're gonna starve us to death. That's really the way you gotta read that, right? Because everybody else would be like, for we had plenty to eateth, but now we've brought us into the place to starve us to death. Read it like, you're, like they're writing it. They're mad. You brought us out of here, we're gonna die. Oh, if we'd just been back in Egypt. Lord said to Moses, verse 4, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. People can go out each day and bring up as much food as they need for that day. I'll test them to see whether they'll follow my instructions. Tell them to pick up twice as much as usual on the sixth day of each week. So Moses and Aaron called a meeting for all the people of Israel and told them, In the evening you'll realize that it's the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you'll see glorious presence of the Lord. He's heard your complaints which are against the Lord and not against us. The Lord will give you meat to eat in the morning and bread in the morning, for he's heard all your complaints against him. Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. You think Moses is trying to get something across to these people? Then Moses and Aaron said, Say to this entire community of Israel, Come into the Lord's presence. Hear his reply to your complaints. And as Aaron spoke to the people, they looked out toward the desert and with the guiding cloud, they could see the awesome glory of the Lord. They had to be reminded, God is still here. You want to be where God's at? Prepare yourself for a journey that's going to be up and down. Oh, if we could just be back in Egypt. No, 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 you don't want to be back there. You want to be where God's at. But we don't have any food to eat here. You'll have food. Matter of fact, you wake up in the morning, you're going to have food. You're going to have quail. And you're going to have manna. Manna is that heavenly bread from God. But here's the thing. Get what you need for today only. See, we get a little, I don't know, greedy at times. We want more. We want more. God says, all you need is what you have for today. Okay? I'll take care of you tomorrow. See, when you wake up tomorrow, I'll give you enough for tomorrow too. Oh, and by the way, the next day when you wake up, I'll give you enough for that day too. But on the sixth day, I want you to pick up twice as much because on the seventh day, you're not going to go out and pick up anything. It's interesting as you read on in chapter 16, some people didn't get it. They took extra, and they hoarded it. And it says as they ate it, it turned to maggots. Mmm, yummy. Maybe you listen to God a little bit more, right? Those people learn their lesson. And then God blessed them with giving them more manna on a daily basis. We have nothing to eat. Oh, now we got food to eat. Let's get a little bit more. Ooh, now we got maggots. Oh, okay, let's get this right with God, okay? We got food to eat. Yay. Everything's good again, right? We're on a great journey. Read on chapter 17. At the Lord's command, the people of Israel left the sin desert and moved from place to place. Eventually, they came to Rephidim, but there was no water to be there. So once more, the people grumbled and complained to Moses, Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you arguing with me? Why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continued to complain. Why did you ever take us out of Egypt? I think we've heard this before, right? Why did you bring us here? We, our children, our livestock, we're all going to die. Moses pleaded with the Lord, what should I do with these people? They're about to stone me. The Lord said, take your shepherd's staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile. Call some leaders of Israel together and walk on ahead of the people. I'll meet you by the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, water will come pouring out, and the people will be able to drink. And Moses did, just as he told, and the leaders looked as water gushed out. Once again, God, where are you at? I want to be where God's at, right? Trust Him. But we have nothing to drink again. Trust Him. He shows up in such miraculous ways. Take that staff you have, go strike a rock. Anybody ever try to, man, I'm really thirsty. So you pick up a baseball bat and you hit a Pepsi machine, right? Anything come out? Probably not. If you do that, you'll probably get put away, okay? So I would suggest you don't do that. God, what, what, I, what can I do? What can I do to make this situation better? Probably nothing. Why don't you trust God on this one? 
So instead, what we do, we complain, right? So let, let me back up here. Exodus 15. There's a song of celebration, right? Look what God's done for us. We're all singing. We're all singing. And now we're complaining because we have no water. But God provides. Okay, it's all good. Oh, but now we have nothing to eat. But God provides. It's good. But now some of that food turned to maggots. Well, that's because you didn't do what God said. Okay, we'll do what God says. Now it's good. All right, let's move on. But now we have no water. But God provides water. Exodus chapter 17, if you were to read on, we're not going to, but if you read on to the rest of the chapter, you find out it wasn't just water or food, but it was another army that came in against them that they had to fight. And now everybody's like scared again. But God took care of it. That's the story, if you remember, where with Aaron and her, where he sat on the rock and he lifted arms to help Moses keep his arms up in the air. As long as his arms were lifted high, they were victorious, but every time his arms came down, they were starting to be defeated. So he had to get his arms back up, but he got tired. So he had one person on his left, one on his right, and they helped him keep his arms up. A little picture of teamwork there, working together so they can be victorious. But God provided the victory. This is the story of Moses. Many challenges. A lot of celebrations on the journey too, wasn't it? I mean, you really want to go where God's at? I want to be where God is, and you better be ready for the good and the bad. I would love to have seen him strike that rock and water. I would love to have seen him wake up in the morning and there's manna or the quail come in. Would you? But remember, if you want to see that, you've got to see the other stuff too. You've got to see the ugly stuff where people start complaining and murmuring and I don't like it. Right? The incredible thing to see here is that they were not alone on this journey. They didn't have all the answers to move forward. They didn't have the light at the end of the tunnel to keep moving, right? They didn't have to question, well, I, I wonder if, I wonder, all they had to do is what? Trust and obey. Let me hear you say trust and obey. Remember singing that song, grew up in church, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to what? Trust and obey. See, we're on a journey. There's going to be great blessings with challenges, good and bad. And let me tell you something. God is the God of both of them. God is the God of both our good and our bad. And we must press on and not waver, but live faithfully. And I'm telling you, a complaining spirit can't be present. So we've got to check our hearts and say, is God here? If he is, then let's move forward with God. We have to lead and live as if he is. Not too long ago, and I, you know, I'm going to sort of share personal stories here now about how I see our church right now, and is God working here? Is God working here? You know, we've been referencing the Bible. If I want to go where God's at. Not too long ago, the building committee looked at a piece of property on Elm Street. And I will admit, my heart was against it, okay? A year ago or more, a couple years ago, we were looking at another building and sort of got my heart set on it. Okay, is this where? Yeah, okay. And it's like, no, that's not it. Okay. Well, how about this one? And I looked at that building and that property. I was like, no way. Ain't happening. My heart was set against it. Matter of fact, uh, the building committee called and said, hey, uh, Pastor Rex, can we meet up at the building and meet you there and like, take a look through it? And I was like, sure. So all that afternoon, I was conjuring up ideas and reasons and excuses that I could shoot down every one of their reasons why we should use that building. And uh, I was ready to share my list of reasons. Hours later, I showed up, walked in, and realized that God is a funny God. Um, I was a little frustrated because God was showing me that what can work in spite of my this won't work attitude. It's like, really, God? I had my heart set against this, and the first thing you did was tell me I was wrong. That I need to sit back and maybe listen a little more to you. Weeks later, the building committee and leadership agreed that it's time to start moving. So he said, well, let's put an offer together, and let's go to the elders, and let's double-check to make sure we can start moving forward and some ideas and what can be done and sort of proceed with church approval and planning. So for over a year, there had been no offers on that particular building. Nobody's touched it. Nobody's looking at it. For over a year, we asked God, what are we supposed to do? We've slowly taken steps forward. We want to proceed with caution. It's like we don't want to run ahead of God. We don't want to run behind. We want to go where God's going. So we contact the realtor and say, we're interested. We're going to start moving forward with some ideas and talking about it and put some prints together. And then we're going to go to the church and we'll share this with the church. And then we're going to vote on it. And uh, okay, that sounds like a good process. Well, that's, uh, that's the steps we're taking. Little did we know that the very next day, 
Um, a third part, a second party came in and said, oh, we want to look at the building. Oh, I think we want to put an offer on it. Where did this come from? It's been sitting there for years, and you just drive by, look at it, and all of a sudden you want it? I mean, why don't you do like us and wait like a year? Um, obviously, they didn't talk to us about this, right? So um, I started questioning, and we all, I think we all started questioning those on the building committee and the leadership staff and the elders and sort of say, did we move too slow? What if they outbid us? Um, I'm not going to get all the details, but we suddenly found ourselves in a position where we're like, hey, we feel good about moving forward. Oh, look, somebody's moving forward too, and they're moving at a really fast pace. So should we, what do we do? You know, and we sort of sat around, and it was like, what, 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 what's our next step on this? Well, um, a few things happened with that other party that confused me. Um, some, some things took place, and, and I was, I, frankly, I was like frustrated. I was like, really? Why would they do that? So that afternoon, I went for a run, sort of let out my emotions and pent up frustration and got done with my run. I prayed on my run and got back, and I sent an email out. And I'm going to read this email that I sent to the leadership, okay? There are two offers in the hand of the seller. This is now in God's hands, not his. I pray that God will act on the seller's heart accordingly. This all may seem very frustrating and confusing. I get it. I had to go for a run, clear my thoughts, chat with God, and get a right perspective. I'm not saying this is the right perspective, but here's where I stand, and I encourage you to stand with me. If God wants us to have this property, it will happen. We've wandered and asked, what are we to do, God? Well, now there are two offers on the table, and it doesn't matter what we did or didn't do. A decision is going to be made, and it's out of our hands. I believe we'll know for sure very soon if this is what God wants for us. This may or may not be a bad thing. For the most part, this may help us see a clear answer. If this is not it, God will show us. I want a church home, but I want to make sure, listen carefully, I want a church home, but I want to make sure that those we meet have a heavenly home first. I don't want to worry about brick and mortar. I want to see lives impacted eternally. Let's trust God to show us the way on this one. In the meantime, let's walk in grace, live in worship, love God, love others. That's the email I sent out. I was hoping our church leadership understood where I stood, okay? It's out of our hands. Two offers out there, whatever the seller decides, they decide. And guess what? I can't coerce them. I can't change their mind. If God wants us, he's going to do something pretty miraculous for us to get this, right? Sort of the way I saw it. 24 hours later, we're sitting around, the building committee and some of the elders, we're sitting around having a meeting because we just found out they want a they final bid like four days from now. Okay. So this is our last chance. Do we put in a higher bid than what we originally put in to make it look better for the seller? What do we do? And we're sitting there talking. And saying, what do we do? What do we do? Right? We've been praying about this. We discussed how much we we're going to offer. And as we're talking about it, I get a, my phone rings. And usually I don't look at it. I looked at it. Interesting. It was the other party that was looking at the building too. So I got up and left the meeting, went outside, talked. And um, I'll just put this in the spirit of unity in our faith. They decided to remove their offer from the table um, so that we had a clear passage to go in and purchase the building if we wanted. They wanted to make sure that there's unity amongst churches and people within this community, and they didn't want to get in the way of what God's plan for us. I got hung up, and we talked for a little bit. I hung up, walked in, and one of the building committee members told me later, he goes, it was like Moses when he came down off the mountain. His face had changed some. I'm not saying it was glowing. Say nothing about gray hair, but anyway. Um, God showed up in a way we didn't expect. We just stopped. As a group, we prayed. It's like, that was a God moment. Um, there was no maneuvering of numbers or twisting of arms. It was like they just called and said, we just feel like this is what we're supposed to do. Um, you know, sometimes we see the joys and praises, and sometimes we don't see uh, the opposition. And sometimes we see opposition, and we don't realize that there's praise and opportunity as well coming to journey with Jesus in those moments. And I wanted to share that moment with you because here's the deal. I want to be where Jesus is going to be. I really do. I want this church to have the attitude of this. I want to go where God's at. I want to go where God's at work. I'm telling you, I'm going to say this right now. I believe God's working at True North Church. I really do. And I want to be where God is working at. And I hope you do too. 
The next thing I did, I asked uh, our staff and elders, I said, I want you to do me a favor, and I want you all to do this right now, okay? So you got a pen, a pen. matter of fact, um, I'm gonna need you four guys right here to help me out, and I'm gonna need you two to help me out. You two, just get up here. Um, grab a pen, grab, just grab a handful of pens out of the box. If you don't have a pen, raise your hand because you're gonna need a pen anyway. Everybody's gonna need a pen. Every adult is gonna need a pen. Uh, if you're a high schooler, you're gonna need a pen, okay? Just take a handful of pens, walk around. Because you're going to write something down for me, okay? As they're going around with pens, whether they're handing or tossing depends who you are and what you signified, okay? I want you to start asking this. How did God reveal himself to you last year? I want you to think 2014. I know a lot's happened in the last four months. Now, if you're part of this church, uh, you remember this church, you've been here, okay? I want you to specifically think for this church, for you at this church. Now, if you're visiting with us today, I want you to think in your life, okay? But I want you to write, I want you to write one thing down, okay? How did God reveal himself to you last year in 2014? Where did you see, like, man, God's at work? I, I, I just see God at work. It could be something so simple that maybe a child did if you're a teacher, a GPS or something, thank you for passing those out. Uh, it can be a, a Sunday service where you showed up and you're here worshiping and something was said in the message or a song was sung and it just, boom, it hits you. It's like God's doing something. Write down what that moment was, okay? Where you say, you know what, God's at work. God's at work. I'm going to share with you what the elders shared with me, what staff shared with me, because I asked them the same question. I said, how has God revealed himself to True North in 2014? Because a lot of people say, I want to go where God's at work, right? Well, how is God at work here? I mean, because God's not at work here, I don't want to be here. If God is at work here, I want to be here. And that should be the way it is when you're serving, not just in the church, but if God's got you serving in a ministry somewhere, you want to be where he's at. Hopefully you've all written something down by now. I'm going to share what they've shared with me. Okay, these are the answers that came from our leadership. They said, uh, when we had church at Homecoming Park, they felt like God really showed up there. It was an amazing service. I'd written down when my heart was changed about Elm Street, that property. Um, individual heart transformations, people who uh, spiritually recommitted their life to Christ this past year or gave their life to Christ for the first time. The kindergarten readiness school, the, the preschool. The tailgate event, the community groups, everybody here did a tailgate event. Consistent worship team. Uh, so we put on Pastor Ben and his family coming on staff. Pastor Landon coming on staff. Rhonda's prayer chain. Again, if, if, if you, when you get those emails from her and who to pray for, but not only who to pray for, but how to pray, you know what I'm saying. Power camp, involvement, participation. The guys that did the videos for that, remarkable. What took place at power camp? The participation, involvement by the volunteers, by the adults, the kids and what they were learning. These are all things that everybody, they said, this is where I saw God show up, okay? Baptism. I'll let you know there's like only two or three people that were going to get baptized like maybe a week or two before. And then all of a sudden, one after another, and the story of, of Andy and... Uh, Heather Pena and, and um, um, how he was like all of a sudden feeling like, I don't know, maybe I'm supposed to do this. And, and then a phone conversation, another phone conversation with another two people. And then they wanted to get baptized. They felt God's called me to do this. There was a lot of behind the scenes things that you didn't know about that were people were suddenly God was just speaking into them and phone connections were made. And all of a sudden they wanted to get baptized. It was amazing. Teenagers, their spiritual growth that we've been seeing. Youth leaders, their involvement, GPS workers and volunteers. Again, these are what uh, different people, um, staff, elders, different um, people wrote down and said, this is how I saw God at work. Uh, the Wensig family and others who've been involved in fostering and adoption. Emily Hill and Children's Church taking over and sort of changing up Children's Church team. Um, and, and then there's a few more things that, that are written down. It's like, how has God revealed himself in True North in 2014? There's about a dozen plus things I just read to you, okay? And then if you even want to go from now back to January, I could probably list 
another half a dozen or more. Point being, God is at work. Now take a look at what you wrote down. How is God at work at True North? How is God at work in your life? Hopefully you were able to write something down. If not, start praying that you start seeing this, how God's at work. If you thought, well, it's a coincidence, or that was really cool how that worked out. Let me tell you something. Wipe that off. It's amazing how God works. Those aren't coincidences. That isn't a, well, I like how that worked out. God's at work. There are stories of how God's at work at True North, and there are stories of just maybe ones we've seen. Those are the ones that we've seen have been brought to our attention, but there's so many more stories out there. There are stories how God's working in you in your personal life. You look in your life and say, God's at work in my life. I can see it. God's at work at somebody, one of my good buddies that goes to this church or somebody else. The love extended during crisis and pain. Can I tell you, you know, and again, if I just go back to February, end of February, the love that you extended to my family, the love that you extended to the Fogarty's, the love that's been extended to different families, whenever you're hurting and the pain's out there. It's amazing. The tears and touched hearts after Sunday services, you don't see it all the time, but I do when somebody comes up to me with tears in their eyes, saying, God's at work right now in my life. I needed to hear that today. The joy and celebration of kids on Wednesday nights. You know, Inside that building is different than the outside of the building sometimes. But inside the buildings, the kids are wrapping up. There's a lot of smiles going on. There's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of giggles going on. There's a lot of learning happening. A lot of fun. Now, maybe when they get outside and, you know, parents trying to pick up, oh, I thought you guys were done at eight. Come on, give it up. A lot of cool stuff happened on the inside for the last 45, 50 minutes. That happens. But Paul shared his joy when he caught glimpses of living in the presence of God with other believers. Ephesians 1.3 says this, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Listen, this, this church is a community. It's a group of people with a common bond, God's Spirit. We are called out, ones of Jesus Christ, come together to form a community. Our foundation is the fact that we have a restored relationship with the God of this universe. It is grace has given us what we don't deserve, the story of salvation. It is worship, and worship is our response to the measure of grace. If you understand how awesome grace is, you're going to have awesome worship. If you don't appreciate much grace, you will not worship much. It's growth. It's our desire to grow in a relationship. It's discipleship. And here's the thing. I want to be where God is at work. Do you? To be a member of this church be part of a, a community of believers who's committed and shared a common bond, we've often signed the covenant. We're making a change here. After discussion with the elders about how we do the covenant, we're going to make a slight change. Um, we recognize that grace as a foundation, our salvation of Christ is crucial. We respond to God through worship. Uh, we give, we serve, we attend. We worship in song, we celebrate, we witness, we grow through discipled living. We get that, okay? Um, we understand as we choose to serve where God is, there's going to be joy, and there's, there's going to be also probably pain. And, but when we're faithful, that's the way it is. There's a roller coaster ride. We decided with the covenant this year, we wanted to do something different. Instead of having that big uh, poster board where everybody signs, we do that every year, we realized that for some of you, you grew up in a church maybe where you, you signed a membership once, and that was it, right? One of our elders said, when I made my vows with my wife, I only said it once. My yes is my yes, and my no is my no. It's, that's how I feel about the church. Once I say I'm in, I'm in this church, I'm in this church, until I tell you otherwise. So why do we sign the covenant every year? It's like, oh, I don't know, because we thought it was really cool. I think because we wanted to make sure you, on a yearly basis, would step forward and say, I'm remembering, I'm telling you, I'm part of this church. So we're going to continue to do something like that. Uh, we will some way every year sort of give you opportunity to step forward and make sure you make that covenant with God, a reminder, okay? But what we're going to do now, you all have pens, so this is going to work great. I'm just going to need my helpers up here again. Hold on a second, though. Just a second. What I'm going to give you is a card, a half-sheet card. On one side, and I'll read it's our mission statement. On the flip side, it's our covenant with True North Church. By signing this, you're saying you're in agreement with the covenant that, yes, I am a member of this church. Okay? Um, I understand this. I believe this. Stuff that I've preached about, and it's on our podcast. We did a series last year. 
But we're going to take this in and we're going to file these. And you won't have to do this again. You won't have to sign anymore, okay? Once a year, we'll remind you of your covenant with the church, like I said, in some form or fashion. But as far as signing a big poster board every year, we're, we're going to cease from doing that. We're going to do this. And today, the reason we're doing this during the church service, at the end of this church service, is because here's the deal. If you want to be a part of this church, and be a part of this church. I want to be where God's at work. I believe God's at work in this church. And I believe being a part of a church where God is at work, that means you better be prepared for the ups and the downs. You will see pain and frustration. There will be complaints, I'm sure. But there will also be joy. And there will be incredibly moments of answered prayer where we just step back and say, yay God. That's a part of living for God. When you're going to go where God is, you're going to expect that. So what's going to happen is uh, we're going to pass these out. If you want to be a member of the church, sign it. If you don't, that's okay. All right? Then what will happen is we're just going to collect them all, put them in a mile, and we're going to file them away. And we'll leave these out for people that weren't here this Sunday to do that over the next couple of weeks, and we'll talk about it. Okay. So I'm going to ask uh, the helpers to come up again and you pass these out to people. You might just want to take a stack and uh, you guys can just sort of pass them down the aisle and then let them roll. One per individual, every individual. So if you're junior high, I'm sorry, age 15, 15 and up, take one, okay? Age 15 and up, everyone will need one, age 15 and up. You are signing for yourself individually. And as these are being passed out, let me read this to you just to make sure we're on the same page. We know from John 3, 16 that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And again, those are the incredible life-changing words of Jesus Christ, if you read with me on this mission statement. God loves us and he pursues us with a relentless love, offering us salvation through his only son, Jesus Christ. Our response to his love and amazing grace is the surrendering of our lives to him. So we humbly repent, we begin a new life of faith in him, and in this new life in Jesus Christ, we respond to God's incredible grace by worshiping. We believe that we must worship God alone. We worship God through the giving of our time and our tithes and our talents. We worship God as we serve the church and love others with Christ's love. We also strive to build our relationship with God by connecting with Him through prayer and reading His written word, the Bible. We also worship God as we love others and with the love of Jesus Christ. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, we recognize that he came to seek and save the lost and establish the church. Alongside other believers, we share our faith, we grow, we connect, we serve together as we share the love of Jesus Christ. So our initial and most important command is to love God, and as a result of a divine, genuine love for God, through the power of God's Spirit, we're able to appropriately love others. Matthew 22, 37, 39, there is at the bottom. You can turn on the flip side now. So my covenant with True North, having received, this is your personal statement now, having received Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, understanding the mission on the other side of True North, I feel led to covenant with True North Church family. Enabled by God's Holy Spirit, I will commit to the following. I'll worship God alone. I'll worship God through the giving of my time, my tithes, my talents. I desire to grow in my relationship with God through prayer and reading the Bible. I'll strive to connect with God. And the last one, I'll endeavor to grow in faith together, encouraging, holding one another accountable. I'll serve the church and love others with the love of Christ. If that is you and say, yes, I want a covenant in saying that, then sign your name down there. Again, it's always a blessing to gra gather the church together to share from God's Word. I wanted to share with you today from the book of Exodus that roller coaster ride. You want to go where God's at? Be ready for the ride. I believe God's at work in this church. You want to be a part of that? It's awesome. Be ready for the ride. Be ready for the ride. And here's the wonderful thing you're not riding alone. 
You're not riding alone. God is with you. Your brothers and sisters are with you. You're not alone. Would you stand and let's pray. You can go ahead and pass those. Before we pray, you can go ahead and pass the cards to the middle of the aisle and just sort of just pass them down. Whether you sign them or not, it doesn't matter. Just go ahead and pass them all back down. Joe, you want to grab them? When we finish up with the church service, I know the worship team, would you come on up? We're going to close with a song. After I pray and we sing a song, um, I'll dismiss you. And when you're dismissed, this is what we're going to do so you know what's going on. We're just going to tear down these chairs over here only. So these are the only chairs we're going to tear, tear down. We're going to leave these chairs over here set up because um, we're going to have a brief. It's going to be a brief meeting. It's not going to be long. Um, we're going to have a presentation for the building, what's going on. Um, we're going to give you about five, ten minutes. If you need to go get your kids out of the nursery, children's church. Uh, for those of you like, well, I'm not a member of this church and I'm not really involved and I'd like to leave, that gives you time to leave. But it gives everybody else time to uh, sort of adjust what they need to do and We'll move around, okay? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for being an awesome and mighty God who goes with us wherever we are. But more importantly, God, I want us to be a church that's faithful and obedient and go where you're at. I don't want to be the one leading the way, saying, hey, God, come with me this way. Lord, I want us to be a church that says, God, where are you going? We want to go with you. We want to be where you're at work. And just as the disciples said, hey, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you're going to be, I'll be. Maybe they realize what they're getting themselves into. But Lord, I believe we do. We've been able to read your word and the stories. We realize it's going to be ups and downs, thrills and spills. But God, the incredible thing is you've promised to never abandon us in those moments. So God, we just ask that as we continue to journey with you in this church, that we have a strong obedience to you and a faithfulness to you as you are faithful to us. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the people that are here and a part of this. I thank you for those that are visiting with us today. Lord, I just pray now as we sing this last song and we think about what it means to really journey with you, Lord, continue to speak to our hearts. In thy name we pray, amen.